cut it there. Cut, 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 cut! Ribbit! And cut. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Terrific! Cut! And cut! Cut, let's try it again. Cut! And cut! 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 Check the gate. Cut it! Cut! Cut! Welcome to Cut, just another movie podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Angie. And we're two siblings that love movies. Surprise, a little shorty episode. This time, we're not going to do a deep dive like we usually do. We're actually going to do a review of a movie that we got to see before um, it premiered today. We're recording this on Friday. So potentially by the time this comes out, most of you will have been able to see it. And the movie that we're talking about is Pig. And if you look, if you're watching us on YouTube, which you should be, uh, again, like, subscribe, comment. It helps the algorithm. Uh, If you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see a uh, pig mask behind uh, me. And 5,000 points goes out to whoever can tell us in the comments where it's from because it's from something. The pig mask is mine and I bought it for Halloween last year. Didn't get to dress up, obviously, and was kind of feeling sad that I probably wouldn't have a good use for it until maybe next Halloween. But I just Surprise. remembered. <laughs> Surprise. I just remembered I had it. So we pulled it out. Well, because we had going back and forth. Usually we try to have something thematically in the background. Right. To whatever movie that we're doing. For this one, I was like, maybe we should use bacon. but. You know, we want to be sensitive to our non-meat eaters out there. So we were lucky enough to go see Pig uh, this week before it was open to the public. Beyond Fest uh, hosted it as well as Neon. So thanks to, to those people. This isn't a sponsored podcast by any means, although Neon and Beyond Fest, if you're listening. They partner with American Cinematheque and Death Waltz Records. And they do some pretty dope screenings throughout the whole year. I think before it was just... Like a week or two or a month. Well, I remember Beyond Fest, they would do it in the fall. Yeah, because it was and like, it's mostly genre, horror, horror genre type things. Yeah, most thrillers. Of the time. And so yeah. it would be around like October, November. Yeah, and I remember frame. two years ago, I went to their screening of The Exorcist with um, Linda Blair was there doing a Q&A. Yeah, and that was, was really cool. What theater was that? The Egyptian. Nice. Yeah. So that was my first time at The Egyptian. It was really cool. I saw that when they did the reprint of 2001, a new 35 millimeter, no, 70 millimeter um, restoration. Um, Kier D'Elia and Gary Lockwood were there. And actually, if you could see behind Angie, there's an autograph photo right there. That's where I got it. Beyond Fest hosted that, the same at, at the Egyptian. But they always host really great events. They premiered Parasite. Uh, before uh, it was uh, wide released in LA, New York. And they premiered Pig, which we didn't really know about when we got tickets for it. We'll sort of do the same format that we do with our deep dives. But do you remember hearing about Pig? I think you sent me the trailer or you sent me the poster. Yeah. And then I saw the trailer a little bit afterwards. That's my first memory seeing the, the profile shot of of Nicolas Cage and it just said pig. And I was like, if cool. this is yes. the trend of his <laughs> last few films, like this is going to be pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. And that was my first. And then the trailer obviously came out and really fit the look of the poster. 
And I just thought it was, it was sort of, they went really well hand in hand. And again, thematically for what the movie ended up being, I thought they did a really good job uh, setting up the trailer and, and just sort of the marketing behind it, which is literally just Nick Cage, Nick Cage in a dark movie. Um, and there's a pig in it. What I got from the trailer was that it was going to be a revenge movie, not unlike John Wick, which it's getting a lot of comparisons to because from the first trailer, that's kind of what it makes it seem like. So that's why I was kind of drawn to it. I was like, oh, this is John Wick with a pig and Nicolas Cage. Well, even Mandy, Mandy's a revenge flick. Yeah. And we'll talk, what we're going to do is the first half of this podcast is going to be spoiler free. So we highly recommend you go see it. Um, obviously we wouldn't be talking about it if we didn't want you guys to go see it. The second half, however, will be completely full of spoilers and we'll do an alarm sound and let you know, turn the podcast off if you don't <laughs> want to be, uh, spoiled before you go see the movie. Cause again, it came out this weekend. I think it's going to be an indie darling for sure. And, um, let's go ahead and start with the basic info. This film was directed by Michael Sarnowski. think I'm getting that right. This is his first, uh, directorial feature. So it's his feature debut. It was also written by him and, uh, producer Vanessa Block starring, like I just said, Nicolas Cage as Rob, Alex Wolf as Amir. And we'll talk about Alex a lot. But also, hint, hint, we're going to do another shorty podcast next week on another film that is about to be released. It's going to be two weeks with Alex Wolf. Yes. <laughs> like I said, the film is directed and written by Michael Cernoski. He had uh, written and directed a few short films leading up to this. And he also wrote a TV series called Olympia, which I had never heard of. The synopsis reads on Olympia, when Harley Sage decides she wants something more than the life of a farm girl, she lands a dance scholarship at Olympia University. But new surroundings pose fresh problems for an extraordinary girl who can control the wind. And that's all the real information that I could find. Cool. <laughs> the poster is a young woman and it looks like there's something else going on. And it kind of looks like Something you'd see on the CW. I was just going to mention that. Yeah. That it sounds like a CW show. The cast looks very CW-ish. And it, I originally thought that that's probably where it came out. But I, I really couldn't find any more details. Or even on YouTube, try to find a clip. I couldn't really find anything. Nicholas Cage decided to produce the film after reading the script. And he thought it shared similar uh, elements of past movies, Joe and Manny, which are probably is more critically acclaimed movies as of late. And his production company, Saturn Films, which I noticed in a lot of his his films, uh, there's that title card. And I always wondered, does he own it or, or what's the association there? But yeah, he does own it. So it makes sense like why most of probably like late 90s to now, it's it has some kind of Saturn Films. Other than that, that's pretty much all the basic information that was out there. Like I said, it's a first time director, so there isn't much about him. And uh, so let's go ahead and go with the review. Angie, what, what were your first impressions leaving the, the, the theater? The film didn't really go as I expected. Like when I was comparing the film to the initial trailer, 
it was pretty different from what the trailer kind of set up in a way. Like I mentioned earlier, my first thought was of John Wick. And this isn't really like a spoiler, but it's not, <laughs> it's not like John Wick like at all. So that was kind of my first impression was that it was completely different than what I thought I was going into. Not to say that it was bad because I really enjoyed the movie. I liked it a lot. I don't know that I would see it again. Wow. But I did enjoy it a lot. Unless it was like something where, you know, someone I know hadn't seen it and I was like, oh, you should, you should watch this movie. Then I would watch it with them. But like, as far as like replayability for myself, I probably, that wouldn't be something I would just like put on. Yeah. Which doesn't mean it was bad. It wasn't bad. It was really good. I really liked it. What I guess were your like expectations that you had? Like a bloody, violent, like revenge. Like Mandy? Movie. Like Mandy, because it was Nicolas Cage and because the trailer was just so like, where's my pig? You know, like the whole time. So I was like, oh man, he's going to find whoever took his pig and he's going to fucking murder them. And so I guess that's kind of what I expected and what I got and said was a very kind of muted revenge movie, which isn't bad. I like that. I just wasn't expecting it. What did you think about it? I also had a similar feeling where I thought that it was going to be a straight revenge film. And even though Nick Cage looks very decrepit and like not fast moving in the trailers, I still thought like somehow he's going to like, you know, the anguish of losing the pig that he was just going to go ape shit on, on everyone. So you're right. It was like a subdued version of, you know, your John Wicks and, and Mandy's. There's more narrative than I thought there would be too. I thought a lot of it, especially the way the film develops, it's very slow. There isn't a lot of dialogue in the very beginning. That's where I thought like, well, he's not going to have a lot of lines. It's just going to be more physical. And, and, but it didn't really play out that way, which isn't a bad thing. Um, I enjoyed most of it. The ending left me wanting a little bit more. So I was a little bit underwhelmed with the ending. And once we talk about spoilers, um, well, I'll talk more about that. But just off the bat, that was sort of the impression that it left me where I thought three fourths of it, three fourths of it was pretty solid. And just the end was not that it was a bad ending, but it just, it left me for everything that he goes through in the movie and again, how it develops, it just left me wanting a little bit more uh, resolution or at least more um, payback. Right. It, it kind of left me just kind of like, eh. Yeah, I agree with that too. I wish there would have been maybe like another 15 minutes after, you know, when it actually ends. Cause there was, you know, the kind of climax and then, there's maybe like 10 minutes after the climax and you're like, Oh, okay. I mean, I, I think if there was one, you know, no, maybe I I need to save it. (laughs) If I say the word, then it's going to spoil some of it. But I feel like just with the journey that he goes through and even the characters around, um, you know, Nick Cage's character, like Alex and stuff, they, they have very similar trajectories. Yeah. And so I thought, one of them is going to like get payback or one of them is going to like get, you know, something positive at the end of it. And it just kind of never really gets to that point. And then you're just sort of left with 
one of the one of the thoughts that I had is like, why did we go through this? To this yeah. You know, part why of me was, yeah, why do we go through this journey if there wasn't a little bit of, of, uh, revenge? There are definitely some revelations and some sort of resolve, not necessarily the way you think, but as far as the overall story. What did you think overall of the look of the movie, the cast? production yeah i really liked the way the movie looked because it was really dark but it wasn't like like i said i didn't really know i didn't super know what to expect going into it because i was like okay this is a nicholas cage movie it seems like a revenge movie so it could go either you know in the vein of mandy which is like completely ridiculous or it, it'll be a more like serious kind of tone and from you know, early things that I had seen about Pig before we saw it, maybe like one or two days. It wasn't even that long before. It really seemed like it was kind of like a serious take on a revenge story because people were saying that Nicolas Cage was like really good, which like no surprise there. Everyone's surprised that Nicolas Cage is a good actor. Especially talking about, um, you know, Joe and Mandy where he's really solid. And then the other movies that he's made lately, they've just been kind of like whatever and, but I feel like he just makes those choices on purpose where he feels like, okay, this script is really solid. I need to be great actor, Nicolas Cage. And these other movies that are just kind of filler, I don't have to be, you know, great Nicolas Cage. And so seeing Pig, he sort of goes back to form on that. He is a great actor when he mm -hmm. wants to be and when he chooses to be, when it's some low budget, you know, I just, you know, Bangkok dangerous yeah. <laughs> or where, where he doesn't need to go over the top. You know, I think a lot of people maybe think like that's just how he, especially later generations of people that, that haven't seen his early it's work. The memes is what it is. It's all of his overacting. Exactly. Um, that's, I feel like he's become that caricature or people think of him as that, but with pick, he's very subtle. You know, there are moments mm -hmm. where he's very subtle. He's not in your face. Um, he has a lot of quiet, solid moments. One of my favorite scenes, which I'll get to a little bit later is him, you know, at a restaurant oh, and it's, it's probably going to be the same. And, yeah. and it's I love just that a scene. conversation that scene was so good. and the camera's mostly on him yeah. and this other character and it, but that's where I think he really shines. Also, I really enjoyed how funny the movie was because there are so many moments that were like funny where like the theater bust up laughing but it wasn't like over the top. It's like funny. a dry yeah. funny, yeah. which I really, really like in movies. And especially when you can pull it off. And I feel like Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolf were really able to kind of have that relationship to where they shared these like quiet moments of humor that were really effective. So I really liked how the movie was funny. Yeah. I thought they complimented each other really well. Yeah. Like they're the little kind of tag team because they're they're mostly together through most of the film and you know alex's character is young and you know doesn't really know better and is trying to make something of himself and um nick cage is obviously the elder statesman and kind of like his role model in a way you know as as weird as that sounds yeah i'll talk a little bit about that later when we start talking about the movie the controlled nick cage in this movie as far as not being super animated and not being over the top, I thought was, I feel like a lot of people that see this movie are going to be like, what? Yeah. Like he had that in him when he's had it, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, 
just the choices that he's made lately with some of the characters in films. Well, because, you know, when you're thinking of Mandy, Color Out of Space, even Willy's Wonderland. Hope which I'm we saying never, Willy and not Wally. I we didn't finish. We, which we couldn't we get didn't through. didn't finish. It wasn't that I didn't want to get through it. It's just that I guess I just wasn't in the right mood to get through it. I don't know. I'll probably still finish watching it, but I think we might be in the middle of like a Nicolas Cage renaissance because we have, so we have Pig and then we have the movie coming up next with Pedro Pascal where Nicolas Cage plays himself. Oh, right. And he's like hired to be at Pedro's party and then like shit starts happening and they have to go on some hijinks. Well, do you remember how he was supposed to be Tiger King? Yes. And it was going to be produced by Amazon. Yes. And actually that day of the premiere, they asked him about it and it's not happening anymore. Hmm. Amazon basically pulled out. And the reasoning that Nick Cage gave, which I think makes a lot of sense, is that Amazon pulled out because there's no real interest in Tiger King anymore. It was just like... It was literally like two months and that was it. It was like a comment. It was just like two months of nonstop talk. (laughs) But I mean, it's that's so fast, you know? Nick Cage talked about how the script was great and, but that is just, you know, what over a year later and there's just not a lot of interest in it. And and so they thought like that it wouldn't be a commercial success, which I get, but at the same time, I still kind of wanted to see. They could always rebrand it and like make it not Tiger King, just make the story really similar, I guess. And be like based on Tiger. I don't know. Right. I think people would still see it. Just be the same character and just Especially Nick Cage if you had with the Nick Cage, yeah. like people are definitely gonna see it. Right. Like Amazon's made worse things than that. So But I, I think they just wanted a bona fide hit. Yeah. Right out of the gate. And Which I think it would have been for sure. I think it would have been, but like you said, way earlier. Like I think it's too late now and just a lot of things have happened yeah. the past eighteen months. And I think it it was just a moment of time that that you're never ever gonna get back. Speaking of the look of the movie, I thought it was shot really well. Like you said, it was, it's on the dark side. So it really makes you look into the shadows and not everything is perfectly lit. Com- compositionally, it's, it's brilliant. I thought you know, the framing of most of the scenes were like spot on. Uh, there's a sequence where they're going into the city and it's sort of Nick Cage's kind of like, you could tell he's kind of, cause he lives in the woods and he's going back to the big city and he he feels a little bit disoriented. And so I thought the the editing choices there where it's just like a lot of crosses offs, like we're, we're done really well. And yeah, I, th- I think it fit the story, the look that they were trying to go for. It fit the story really well. Um, product, you know, the casting, the, the bad guy, which we'll get to in a little bit. I thought he was done really well and can't forget about the pig. Brandy. Who, by the way, had an understudy, right? Brandy had an understudy. That was one of the things that I kind of just noticed when the credits were rolling is I just happened to look and it was like pig, Brandy, pig understudy. I was like, what? There's an understudy for the pig? The credits do are interesting. So I highly recommend you stay through the, if you're not a credits person, you should stay through the credits because, you know, we'll get to it later, but basically there there's some little kind of hidden features um as the credits and it's not some marvel post credit no scene. scene there's no they're not gonna make it a franchise <laughs> where 
Nicolas Cage is some kind of superhero, but by the end of the credits, there's some cool things to, to look out for. So should we go uh, into spoilers? Yeah. Okay. Let's do, so this, this is, is your warning. Yes. Can we put like a real sound? Like what? Like a real alarm. Oh, we'll make like a pig snorting. Here is your spoiler warning in five, four, three, two, one. From here on forth, we'll be talking major spoilers. So if you don't want to get it ruined, stop listening to the podcast. Go watch the movie and then come back and finish the podcast. We're going to try to give a rundown of most of the movie. Also, for, for, forgive us if we forget stuff because this is the first time that we're attempting this without any notes. So just kind of going with our memories, memories which may or may not be good. <laughs> At the beginning of the film, we see Nicolas Cage's character, Rob, and his trusty pig, who's just named Pig, right? She doesn't have like a name. I don't think there's a name. She's just a pig. And they're in the woods, kind of walking around, doing their own thing. And you realize that she's a truffle hunting pig. And so what truffles are is they're like a very expensive prized fungus that grows in the dirt. And these pigs are trained to sniff them out. And then you can sell the truffles for, you know, a certain amount to restaurants and whatever dish, if you go to a restaurant and there's truffle in it, the dish is going to be expensive. And so he, Nicholas Cage just kind of lives in the woods with his pig and he has his own little cabin. He's like cooking his own food. And from the get go, the title card of this sequence is called like truffle tart or like something tart. The film is broken down into three parts, three dishes basically. And so the first one is a tart. And so from the get go, we see that Nicolas Cage is a cook basically because he's making, we don't know if he's like a chef or what, but we know that he knows how to cook because he's making this tart from scratch. He makes the dough from scratch. He makes some for his pig and he feeds his little pig the food. And so he just is living this quaint little life like in the woods. Enter Alex. And what kind of car was he driving? It's a Camaro. Is it a, it's like a, it's yellow, a yellow Camaro. Camaro. Yeah. He comes in blasting classical music, trying to seem very sophisticated. And he drops off this little ice cooler and we don't really know like what is the interchange, but we assume like it's truffles. And again, Alex's character is a young kind of full of himself, kind of thinks that he knows it all. And he's and, very aloof. Yeah. And he's the complete opposite of, of Nicholas Cage's character. And so there's a deal done and essentially Alex's character is buying the truffles off of Nicolas Cage. And then there's a scene where he's in his home and there's a cassette tape and it says for Rob, right? That's for Robin. Oh, that's right. For Robin. And he has a little like cheap boom box and he puts the tape in and we hear just like a snippet and it's a woman's voice, but we really don't know who Robin is, but obviously it hits uh, Nicolas Cage's character um, deep because he's very, you know, retrospective in that moment. We don't know Nicholas Cage's character's name yet. So when the tape said for Robin and we hear like a woman's voice, voice I was like, oh, is that Robin? Mm -hmm. And then Nicholas Cage's character is visibly upset by it. And the little pig comes and like, make sure he's okay. And he's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then comes the big scene. Right? Nighttime. Yeah. He's sleeping and the pig is kind of like sniffing at the door mm -hmm. 
And Nicolas Cage is like, oh, it's just coyotes. Like, just leave it. It's fine. But the pig is pretty like adamant about sniffing at the door, like showing that something's wrong. And so Nicolas Cage finally gets up and is like, well, what's happening? What's going on? And then there's lights out the window. Mm -hmm. You start seeing lights and obviously it's more than coyotes. And this is one of my favorite sequences camera shot wise because he goes to the door and all of a sudden you hear just like a pow and the camera and what and it's a single take the camera goes down with Nicolas Cage yeah. gets knocked over from the door and then there's like a struggle and they're kidnapping his pig and then he gets like hit in the face with a blunt object I think he gets hit with a cast iron or something something yeah and so he's on the ground and there's like the you can hear the pig squealing which is really shitty it's very upsetting and they put it in a bag and he's just on the ground trying to just figure out what's happening and then they end up leaving with the pig and he's just on the ground you know with the bloody face which i will say i think it would take like seven people to take that pig away that pig had to have weighed like 350 pounds yeah they made it seem especially with it like wriggling and going crazy there's no there's no way and so therein lies the question mark of, you know, where did the pig go? Who were these guys? This is kind of where the movie essentially starts because we're trying to find out who took the pig. Why did they take the pig? Can we get the pig back? And the next morning after Nicolas Cage passes out because of his wounds, essentially, he wakes up and immediately is like, I got to go get this pig back. The search begins. And he has this like beat up old truck in his drive or not even a driveway in the dirt in front of his cabin. And, you know, he manages to start it. He has a gas can that I'm sure he has for emergencies, but God knows how long it's been since his truck has moved. So he probably gets like not even a mile away when the truck dies. Right. Once the truck breaks down, he I'm pretty sure he walks to like a close by like cafe that happens to be near a main road. He gets there and he manages to use their phone. And it's just funny because all these people are kind of like having breakfast and stuff. And he walks in and he's like bleeding and Dirty he has like a huge and, beard. Yeah. And he's just like, can I use your phone? Before that though, he asked for uh, like a waitress or someone that has worked there. And he was like, oh yeah, she died like she died 10, 10 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. So you could tell that it's there's a, a history there. And like you said, it's been a while since he's been in like civilization. He's just been isolated up in, in the woods. He uses the cafe's phone to call Alex Wolf's character. Amir. Amir. And so Amir comes and swoops him up in his Camaro. And Still rocking classical music. Yeah, they have this funny moment where they're driving towards the city. And Amir has his classical music. But not only is it classical music, he has this like voiceover that's like, this is Tchaikovsky from the blah, blah, blah century or whatever. And classical music is the greatest like yeah. music that is it never there. Ages. Because, and there's like rhythm and harmony <laughs> and that's what makes and up. And so in the middle of this, Nicolas Cage just kind of shuts it off. And they have this really cute like slapstick back and forth moment where Amir keeps turning it on. Rob turns it off and he turns it on and he turns it off. And so they head to the big city in search of, you know, someone, some connection that Rob knows that can possibly help him find who took his pig. And then they enter uh, a room where there's this bald guy. And the city is Portland, right? Yeah. So we should say that, that this takes place in Portland, Oregon. 
uh, in the woods and then obviously in the city. And they meet this man that um, Nicolas Cage's character knows. And they have this back and forth and he's kind of a mysterious character. And then there's a point where um, he tells them what is to meet somewhere or he gives them a note. Right. Mm -hmm. But we don't know what the note says. And so uh, Nicolas Cage walks out of frame and that's a really great reveal with Amir's character because Amir like was sitting yeah, there the whole, time. the whole time where you thought it was just <laughs> yeah. this strange guy and Nicolas yeah. Cage's character, but he was sitting there the whole time. And so Nicolas Cage walks out the door and then Amir uh, kind of looks back at the, the mysterious guy and he's like, do you even know his real name? And that's when you kind of start piecing together that Nicolas Cage's character is sort of more than who he, who you think he is. So then we move on to a cook fight club. Would you call it that? Those were my thoughts. Exactly. The yeah. First time I so saw he it. goes to this like underground, he goes to, he, he tells a story about, he calls it the hotel something. Yeah. And it's in the, it's in the back room of this restaurant. I thought it was like in the basement. Something like that. And he's he's telling Amir a story about how there used to be this hotel and now the only thing that's left of it is this like basement foundation where this man, who I believe is the bald guy they saw before, runs this chef fight club is what I'm going to call it, where I don't know if you've ever met any chefs or any line cooks, but they're like angry people. <laughs> like it takes a certain person to be like a line cook or even a chef. So it's not hard to imagine that they would have this kind of fight club underground after hours to where they can take off all their frustrations from the day's, you know, the day's cooking. And Rob shows up at this, you know, fight club and you see people are just kind of getting their ass kicked and they're, they're, they're chefs, they're waiters, even I think they're servers. And he writes his name down and you have this kind of big moment where everyone just kind of stops seeing what they're doing and they're staring at him writing his name on the wall. And then he, turns away from his writing and it says Robin Feld. And so everyone just kind of starts placing their money or bets or whatever entry money on the ground. And it's several people. So that's when you kind of start to see even more of like, who is this guy is a big name. This is definitely someone, especially in the restaurant world. It seems right. like Amir is in the background kind of witnessing this and he still doesn't really get it. And so what looks like just like a server goes up to Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage takes his like jacket off. And basically this server who's like a nobody just starts punching him in the face just over and over again. And eventually knocks Nick Cage down and he's just like going just like, yeah, he gets like a minute. Yeah. And Nicolas Cage in this whole time isn't fighting back. He's just kind of like taking it and he gets more beat up in the face. And then finally they come around and like they, they, uh, they take the server off Nicolas Cage and Amir's just like, what is happening? <laughs> like, I don't understand. And obviously feels bad for, for Nick Cage and he takes them and they go to back to Amir's place and he gets like ice on his face and, and they ended up, you know, he spends the night there and then the next morning they're having breakfast. Yeah. And this is when you get to part two of the movie. Yeah. So part two is like mama's French toast and, I can't remember what the rest of it is. This is when you learn background on Amir and kind of what he does or kind of like his family business. And he kind of shares to Nicolas Cage that this is after Amir finds out who Nicolas Cage is. 
Robin Feld. And he, Amir tells Robin or Rob a story about how, you know, growing up, his parents would fight all the time. And every once in a while, they'd have like a date night and they'd usually come home drunk and fight some more. And he tells them about this one time where they went to this restaurant and there was a chef that cooked them a meal that was so good that they came back like happy for once. Yeah, they and couldn't that, stop talking about it. <clears throat> yeah, that he had never seen his mom that happy. And then he kind of says like, he hasn't seen her that happy since. And he kind of like trails off. And I think Rob asks him what happened. What happened. And then Amir tells Rob that she killed herself basically. And that's when you learn <clears throat> that Amir is working for his dad mm-hmm. and that kind of the truffle business or whatever it is that Amir is doing is kind of like what his dad also does. But Amir is trying to make his own way yeah. in the business. Right. And that's where you get, again, the sense that Nicolas Cage's character, he's a chef, but he's like one of the best chefs in the Portland, Oregon area of the last like 20 years. And there's, and he just sort of disappeared. And so you don't really, that's what I started wondering is like, what, what happened that he ended up in a cabin just, you know, looking for truffles for 10 with years, the pig at least. for, yeah, for 10 years. Um, because it's obvious that the people in Portland, Oregon still remember him. Um, and so to walk away from that, it seemed like something major must have happened. Once Rob gets his ass kicked, backtracking a little bit at the chef's fight club, he gets another piece of information from the guy that runs it, which is on another piece of paper. And it leads them to this restaurant. I don't remember what it's called, but it's, it seems like a bougie kind of Portland restaurant restaurant. And we find out that it's like Amir's dad's like place. Like, I don't know if that means that's the place that he buys for and sells for, Mm -hmm. if that's just like a place that he goes to, to where Rob asks Amir if he can, he's like, Hey, you need to get us reservations at this place for lunch. And Amir's like, dude, I don't know if I could do that. That's like my dad's place. I don't know if I can. But Amir sells truffles to them. So he ends up somehow getting a reservation there and they show up and they have this meal. And it's like, I can't remember what, it's like a scallop on something. Right. But the waitress is giving them this whole like, here we take a journey through the forests of Portland and like shit, like just like what you would find. It's like the appetizer and like he just like tastes it. Yeah, he just like tastes it with his hand and eats it. just no emotion. And then he's like, I need to talk to the chef. And so the chef comes out and you find out that the chef worked for two months at Nicolas Cage's restaurant as a prep cook, I think is what he said, which is like the worst, but... And he kind of, this is going into one of my favorite scenes, what I think you were talking about earlier, yeah, which is was... one of the best scenes in the whole movie. Not only Nicolas Cage is really good in this, but the guy that plays the chef is also so good in this. Mm-hmm. Like just his like facial expressions are so good. And Nicolas Cage goes, or Rob goes into the spiel about how like, I think, I don't know if the chef brings up that he worked for him or if Rob does. I think when he says the name when he says, do you know who I am? And then he tells him, and then you could see on the chef's face, like, Oh yeah. 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 And then he goes, you worked for me for two months yeah, and, and I fired like, you because you kept overcooking the pasta. He's like, did I did? Yeah. Did? And he's like trying to <laughs> that fake so that funny. he didn't remember. Yeah. And then Rob is like, you remember what you told me what you wanted to do? And then he's like, no, and he's like, you told me that you wanted to start a pub. And he's like, why didn't, why haven't you done he's that? He's like, you want to start a pub with rooms at the top, like a real 
English pub. And he's like, why haven't you done that? Why didn't you do that? And the chef's like, well, you know, people in Portland, like they don't really like that. There's no demand for it. There's no demand. This is kind of how it is. is. And then this is where Nicolas Cage kind of really delivers because Rob really starts like digging into the chef about how like he should have done what his dream was to do. He shouldn't have, you know, ditched his dream to get this like bougie ass restaurant the line is we don't get a lot of things to really care about. Yeah. And in a way that sort of summarizes the whole movie. Yeah, definitely. And that was one of the taglines that I saw about the movie too. Mm -hmm. And just after, like you have to see the scene. I can't even really duplicate what he says, but once Nicolas Cage kind of delivers this line, like the look on the chef's face is so good that it like, goes from like, he's like smiling and then like his face just like melts off of his face basically (laughs) while he's still smiling. It's so good. All through that, because that conversation is Nick Cage and the other chef, you almost forget that Amir is even at the table. And I love that final shot where they finally show Amir and Amir's face is equally as great. It's just about just like, that was like the greatest, you know, speech I've ever heard yeah. in my entire life. And this all happens because Rob asks the chef about his pig. And he's like, dude, I'm looking for a pig. It was my pig. And the chef is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And that's when he goes into the spiel of like, you worked for me for two months. And look, you don't get, we don't get a lot of things to care about. Why didn't you do your stupid pub and like all this stuff. And then after the chef's like, well, you know, the guy who took your pig, you don't want to, you don't want to get into you it with this guy. And then this is when kind of Nicolas Cage has the revelation that it's Amir's dad or that Amir's dad has something to do with it. And so Amir's just like, dude, I had no idea. Like, I really didn't know. I'm sorry. You know, it's set up to that Amir and his dad aren't really speaking to each other. And there's a really frayed Mm -hmm. uh, relationship between them. So it's not like Amir is working for his dad and they're all buddy, buddy, like, you know, having a great time. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a, a rift in between their relationship. And so they're not very communicative and, and Amir doesn't really see his dad as like a good guy. Yeah. And so you do believe Amir when he's like, dude, I had no idea. Cause you're like, how could he? He doesn't even talk to it. Like he hates his dad basically right? because of what he says earlier in the movie. The next sequence you have Amir and Nicholas Cage splitting up. Nicholas Cage's character essentially goes to Amir's dad's because Amir has doesn't want anything to do with like seeing his dad or anything. And Amir goes to a hospital. The the first scene though from from that sequence is uh Nicholas Cage and Amir's dad, who's played really well by Adam Arkin. And you could tell, you know, that he's the bad guy right away. You know, he lives in this really nice house, he's very wealthy. And here comes the contrast of Nicolas Cage walking in and Nicolas Cage just basically gets to the point of like, tell me where my pig is. And there's this whole back and forth. And basically Adam Arkin basically tells Nick Cage that, you know, that he doesn't want to, you shouldn't go there, you know, and, but is very vague on what actually happens. He tries to bribe him and says like, look, I'll give you 20,000 for the pig. And Nicolas Cage is like, no. And he's like 20 million. And he's like, no. And then he basically just kind of threatens him and says, look, I want you to leave. I don't ever want to see you again. You'll have, I don't know how much he says, but he says some amount of money. You'll have it. And like by tomorrow, if I never see you again in the same scene though, like at the same time, I don't know if the scene is broken up with this scene that I'm about to talk about, or if it happens after 
Nicholas Cage ends up leaving Amir's dad's house after, you know, they can't come to an agreement about the pig, basically. At the same time, Amir is at the hospital and we don't know why he's at the hospital. And he kind of leans up against the door and he says, hey, mom, I met the chef that cooked you that meal that one time. And so we realize that Amir's mom isn't dead. She's in a coma. And so he's visiting his mom and the nurse comes by and was like, hey, I was just about to like change her bedpan or whatever. Do you want to come see her? And he's like, no. And then like the door opens and you see just like a silhouette of the mom in the coma. And then so we learn that Amir's mom isn't really dead. Nicholas Cage is walking out of Amir's dad's house and then waiting there is, is Amir who we thought didn't want to have anything to do with, with his dad. And so he basically picks up Nicholas Cage and says, you know, I need you to get these things for me. And it's basically a list. And what the list is, it's ingredients for something, which we don't know up until that point. And so then comes a sequence of, you know, trying to get the, the items. And then we get to a scene where Nicholas Cage is visiting. It looks like a bakery, right? Yeah. And a there's a woman in the bakery. He's asking for like a... It's like a salted... French bread or some French yeah, loaf. It's some, like a salted some something. Some kind of bread. Yeah. He's like, you know, I'd really like that. And then he ends up taking like three of them. Yeah. And you find out also that this bakery was maybe the storefront for Rob's restaurant or something. I thought it was more of his lady friend. Oh, I thought it was like his old restaurant or something. Okay. I got the, because he says something about the drapes. He says something about the drapes. Yeah. But I just figured it was like his old restaurant. And then restaurant. he's like, oh yeah, they look better without the yeah. drapes. And then while this is happening, also you see Amir visiting someone named Jezebel who were Rob's instructions, like go see Jezebel and ask for something. And this is when we find out that Rob's girlfriend, wife is dead mm-hmm. because <clears throat> Jezebel's at the cemetery. And so... He says, you know, Amir lets Jezebel know that Rob sent him. And so Jezebel ends up taking Amir down to like some like basement type area that has a bunch of wine bottles that I think were Rob's collection. Yeah, I think so. From his restaurant. And so she hands him a specific bottle and is like, here, this is what you were asking for. We cut to Nick Cage and Alex's characters. They're back at his or his dad's place. This is the part that's Which, weird to me. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, I thought they were back at Amir's place. Oh, no. I knew they were back at the dad's place. But also Rob and Amir's dad left on such like a sour because he literally said, I don't ever want to see you again or I'll kill you. Basically. Right. Yeah. And now they're back at his house and they're just chilling and the dad's awake, too. So I'm like, yeah, that- even if it was just Amir at the house, like I feel like their relationship wasn't. Amir and his dad, like he couldn't just show up at the house and be like, I'm just going to cook food in your kitchen without his dad being like, what the fuck are you doing? Like I said, at first I thought, wait, are they somewhere else? Or like, is the dad not home? So what ends up happening is Nicolas Cage's character gets all the ingredients that he asked Amir to get. And so him and Amir end up cooking a dish. And this is a really cool scene. And I want to backtrack a little bit when Rob tells Amir to get all the ingredients and he says, tell them if you run into any problems, tell them I sent you. And Amir's like, you want me to use your name? And I feel like that's kind of like 
an insight to the relationship that Amir had with his dad. Yeah, because there's that scene where he gets to uh, that home yeah. where he finds out about um, Nicolas Cage's wife or girlfriend and hits the the talk box and is just like, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. And they're like, go away. And then yeah. he's like, oh, but I'm with Robin. And then yeah. they And so I think that's kind of like, you get a sense that Rob and Amir, or I guess Amir kind of sees Rob as like a surrogate dad at this point. Yeah. Especially in the scene that we're about to talk about, which is when they're making you know, food. Cause earlier on in the movie, when Amir makes Rob like French toast, like it's like shit, <laughs> it's all bad. Like he says, what is Rob tells him that something he uses. Oh, the bread is expired. He's like, use expired bread for the French toast. And now here Rob is walking Amir through breaking down like a quail or like a, or a some kind Cornish of poultry. Hen. It's something really small. But yeah, he's basically making this meal along Amir. And so I thought that was a really good scene between them because they're just kind of like making this dish together that you find out is really important. It's a really great montage of them just cooking in slow motion. The music motion. to that is really good too. The music's really great. Um, and like I said, it was shot really well. And like you're saying, it really creates a great bond between Amir and, and Rob. And, and then you find out He's like, go get your dad. And it's like, like, what? what? He's been there the whole time. Yeah, He's been in his office and Amir goes reluctantly and like opens the door. And what does Amir's dad say? Something like he says, like, dad, dad, I made you dinner. And he says, he says, like, go away. Yeah. He's like, I don't want it. Yeah. I'm not interested. And Amir finally gets his dad to walk in and they're in the dining room. And And he doesn't like immediately punch Rob in the face. Like, (laughs) what? And so you sit down and then you put two and two together and you realize the dish that Amir and Rob cooked is the dish that Amir's dad and, and his, and his mom had that completely blew their minds. And I was waiting for that moment where Amir's dad takes that bite and he Mm -hmm. just like breaks down, um, which happened, but it wasn't until the wine wine, because when you see the plate of food and then, Nick Cage shows um, Amir's dad the bottle of wine. I don't think he even realizes what it is yet until he kind of takes a whiff of it and then takes a drink. And it's after that where he like starts to break down and it's like, this is still the greatest shit I've ever had. I think it really speaks to the power that food has. And I feel like that's a really important thematic element in the movie is the way that food brings people together whether be it like the dish that Amir's parents shared that stopped them from fighting or, you know, the dish that Rob and Amir made together that brings them closer together, which happens to be the same dish. And then kind of getting, using that same dish to bring back those memories in Amir's dad that finally gets him to tell Rob what happened to his pig. Mm -hmm. Whereas before he couldn't convince him otherwise. So I think that kind of, and especially the way that movie's broken down into three different dishes, I thought was really clever. And you have all of these little tidbits of food throughout the film, like the scallop dish. And then you have the cookies and like how Rob gets an extra cookie for Amir. And that's kind of like a really cute kind of gesture. So I think that food connecting people when words can't is like an important thematic element in the movie. The moment when I realized 
when you realize that Nicholas Cage was a chef, I thought it was the film was going to pivot just completely in that direction. And mm-hmm. so what I appreciated is that the food isn't in your face, though, you know, because mm-hmm. after that moment, I thought, oh, we're going to go to like kitchens and, mm-hmm. and Nicholas Cage is going to like put on the the suit and yeah. like become Mr. Chef again. I and- kind of thought when Rob mentions to Amir that he needs a reservation at that one restaurant that Amir was going to be like, <laughs> I pictured it exactly that Amir was going to be like, yeah, I can get you a reservation, but you're going to need a suit or like something cheesy like that. And right. then there was going to be this like makeover montage with Nicolas Cage. And I was just like, Oh my God, I hope that doesn't happen. But like you said, it's like the food is like subtle and that montage that preceded the scene that we're talking about isn't in your, like that's probably the most in your face food is in the scene with the tart in the beginning, you don't even really see what it is. You see him making the tart, the dough, and that's it. You don't really see, and he's chopping mushrooms, I think is what you see. Right. And then when Amir makes the French toast, you don't really see any of what he made. You just see him like serve it. It's not until that last food sequence that you see exactly what they're making. After Amir's dad gets extremely emotional over, over the meal, he walks out and Nicholas Cage goes after Amir's dad and they go into this separate room and, and he's like, Amir's dad's like getting a shot. He's like, damn it. He got to me. <laughs> damn you. Nicholas Cage once again asks like, what happened to my pig? And this is when you find out huge spoiler. So again, Big if you're spoiler, still if you've listening, been listening, don't listen. Stop. Stop it now. I don't want to get angry emails and comments. And <laughs> Amir's dad tells Nicholas Cage that, the guys who kidnapped the pig were too rough. The pig didn't survive and the pig is basically dead. Another one of my favorite moments and just moments in films in general, when you expect a loud crescendo, yes. a loud moment yes. and the, the sound is sucked out. So I it's love silent. That. It's even, it hits you even it harder. It hits that you way. even harder. And so what happens is you cut to Nicholas Cage's reaction and you, I mean, obviously he's devastated. Uh, going back to something before, I don't remember what, where the part of the movie was, but Nicholas Cage says that he's basically in love with the pig. Yeah, he mentions because, you know, Amir is kind of talking to Rob and is like, dude, we can get you another pig. Like, what is it about this pig? Yeah. And Rob is just like, it wasn't ever about the truffles. Like the pig can't even, <laughs> the, the you the find truffles, tell you. the trees tell you where the truffles are. The pig, I just love the pig. Like it's my one companion. I just really love the pig. And so that makes it all the more devastating when you find out that the pig actually died. And so you're seeing Nicolas Cage just completely break down, but there's no sound. And yeah. I think there's a little bit of music, but that's about it. So you yeah. don't hear him crying. And again, the absence of sound where you expect it to be just makes it all that more heartbreaking and dramatic and, and just it hurts. I didn't necessarily think the pig was actually going to die. I thought it was going to be more the emotion of Rob's backstory. Like I thought we were going to find out more about his girlfriend and how she died or why she died. Or I thought it was just going to be about Amir and like his dad and that relationship. But I, I thought it, I was like 60, 40 that the pig was going to die. 40 that it was going to die. 60 that it wasn't going to die. I was more like 70, 30 that it was going to, 70 that it was going (laughs) to die and 30 that it wasn't going to (laughs) die. But I like that it wasn't that typical, like, I need to chase the pig and then you find it, you know, t- 
tied up and you have two guys that are guarding it and then Nicholas Cage turns into everyone. like samurai warrior and like kills everyone. Like yeah. I I really appreciated that part. Yeah. Um so you find out what happened and then Nicholas Cage and Amir um get into the car and they drive to a diner to that diner where where Nicholas Cage first sort of came out of the woods and they sort of look at each other like what's left? You know, what what else is there to do? There was a moment, I think, when they're leaving mm-hmm. because Nicolas Cage, rather than being driven back to his cabin by a mirror, Nicolas Cage says, no, I want to walk. And so I think that's after they have food at the diner. Yeah. Amir's like, oh, OK. And for a second, when he says, I'm going to walk, I thought that's when it was going to pivot into the ending. I just told you where he's going to go back to Portland. Oh, OK. And yeah, figure out that the pig isn't dead. Yeah. And then he's going to go apeshit and yeah. kill everyone. But that doesn't happen. No. And then we cut to Amir in his car and he sort of left like, what do I do with my life? You know, my dad's terrible and this business is terrible. And, and, um, oh, and before that, Nicholas Cage tells him, I'll see you on Tuesday because they're still going to have that relationship where mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage still finds truffles for, for Amir. And then my moment where you can tell that Amir is sort of over his old life where the classical music comes on and the ends up turning it off. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of like, he just like sleeps in his sleeps car. In his car. <laughs> yeah. Nicholas Cage walks back to his cabin and then he's on his bed and there's just a look of loss in his face of like, this is my life now and I need to sort of keep going. And he grabs that cassette tape that says for Robin and puts it on the boom box and then plays it. She says um, that she recorded the song for him because it reminded of him and it's his birthday. And so the song plays um, and then Nicholas Cage kind of like looks up and then that's it. That's the end of the movie. What's the song? I don't remember. It's I'm on fire by the boss. Oh, that's right. That's right. Which when it was playing, I was like, oh my God, I know the song. What is the song? And then at the end I saw it was Bruce Springsteen. And I was like, of course. I'm tr- I was trying to figure out what other movie that song is in. Like the actual Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, the version. Yeah. I can't remember, but it has to be in something. Mm-hmm. And then the credits start rolling. And the little tidbit that I talked about earlier, why you want to stay for the credits, because at the end they show all the the dinner plates that they created and like the ingredients that they used and all of that. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Like if you ever wanted to like recreate them. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the last one was called, but yeah, it's very fancy. And it's also, I'd never seen that in a movie before, even like food, foodie movies. Foodie movies. Yeah. And that's pretty much the entire movie. Um, any final thoughts, you know, it's summarizing what the film meant to you or, or anything new that you thought of. I, feel like this is going to be one of those movies. I know I said that I probably wouldn't watch it again, but I'm probably going to at some point. This is probably one of those movies where kind of the more you watch it, the more you get into its thematic elements. Like after you watch it the first time and you have that element of food in your brain, you're going to notice a lot more of the food elements and kind of what those have to do with the overarching story. As well as it kind of, being a story about loss and coming to terms with loss. And also, I, I, I don't know if this is like reaching, but it's kind of a story about the family that you make versus the family that you have. 
And this is me thinking about Amir and like his relationship with his dad versus the relationship that he has with Rob, which ends up being kind of like a father something at the end. Mm-hmm. And Rob having the relationship with the pig, which is just like his family at this point because he's lost his family. So it has to do with like family and food and coming to terms with grief, I think. That was my biggest takeaway is just the film is essentially about loss, you know, and it's losing a pig. It's losing your wife or girlfriend. It's losing your parents and that relationship between them and and you and, and how you cope with that and the people that you meet along the way that can be like mentors and end up being better than your parents. And the, why I said the ending sort of left me initially uh, wanting more was because of that of like, you know, he goes through all this loss and then he gets no um, redemption. He gets no satisfaction. He, he, he's just left there in his room by himself. But at the same time, the more I've thought about it, the more I realize, well, that's sort of how life happens sometimes. Yeah. And also he gains a deeper relationship with Amir. I think like if there's one thing that he gains throughout the whole movie, it's that because before I don't know how they even got into their business relationship because they don't really tell you. But, you know, before it was strictly just like, I'm coming to pick up the truffles. I came to drop off shit. Yeah, they barely spoke to each other. And even jokes. And he's like, dude, one time I'm going to come here. You're going to be dead. And I'm going to be the one that finds you. And I think after the whole journey, they just become closer in that way to where they do actually kind of care about each other. I feel like I would rewatch it again. And find even more, like you were saying, deeper connections between the food and the relationships with people. I think it's, I thought it was a little bit better than even Mandy. Because I think Mandy, I I mean, Mandy's just over the top and it's a completely different movie. But I think rewatchability wise, like there's a deeper meaning behind Pig than than Mandy. Mandy's just a little bit more straightforward. I could definitely have Mandy on in the background. Yeah. (laughs) With my lights and stuff like that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Before we wrap up this, uh, shorty episode, we were sitting, um, in the same aisle behind Nicolas Cage. And every so often I would look over I Especially ran if it's into a, him yeah. finding my seat. We were trying to find our seats. He was and sitting I was like, in the this aisle This man seat. is in my seat. It was Nicholas Cage. And Angie hadn't even <laughs> noticed. And like Angie almost like ran into him. And I was like, dude, he's like right there. And he had just this look of like, who are these people? Yeah, that experience of the premiere was probably one of the cooler. Because I've been to a lot of film stuff, you know, when like the stars are there. And that was probably one of the more low key ones to where they were legit like, boop. Like Nicholas Cage was like two rows in front of us. And no one was really worried about like anything weird happening, which I thought was really cool. I did get a kick out when I would look over. I would wait for bright scenes because again, the movie is mm-hmm. very dark. It's not very bright. And I would look over and that was probably the most Nick Cage thing I've ever seen. Nick Cage watching Nick Cage. Yeah, he was very focused. Oh, and then remember the false start. That was really funny. Uh, so the movie started and they showed like the neon. The logo. Logo. And there was no, normally, you know, you have like the neon buzzing and there was no sound. And then the screen just kind of went black and the lights turned back on. And people were like, and And I I looked over Nick Cage and like both his hands were on his forehead. Like, but the funnier (sighs) part was that Alex Wolf turned around because Alex Wolf was sitting in front of him and he turned around and he was like, oh, it's over. You fell asleep. You didn't, it's (laughs) over now. 
And then, but Nick yeah. Cage still had the like, most serious face. Yeah, and he was like that throughout most of the movie, very intense. And even when he introduced the movie, he was like, "Uh, hi, I can't wait for you to see the movie." And then that was and it. He was like, and then even before the credits rolled, he was out of there. And I think I'll put this. I guess you can call the genre food movies, but like Chef, Burnt, No Reservations, which I'm adding on there. Is like one of my favorite like subgenres of oh, <laughs> Ratatouille. Yeah. yeah. Just like yeah. food movies. Yeah, the the best. Having said that, that wraps up our little quick review of Pig. We highly recommend that you guys check it out for yourselves and make up your own minds about the movie. And we'd love to hear comments. You know, again, it comes out this weekend, uh, everywhere. And it would really be cool to read comments about what you guys thought, what you agreed, disagreed, all that. Remember to subscribe again. We're on YouTube. All the likes and comments benefit us a great deal. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at CutMoviePod. The next shorty that we're going to do, we're going to try to put it up by next week, but it's another movie that's going to come out this next weekend, which also has Alex in it, which is a big giveaway and really stoked to see it. This one will be a big one for horror fans. I'm not going to say it's necessarily in the Ah. horror genre. But because of the director, I know a lot of horror fans will, will go see this. Yeah, thriller. I mean, it's definitely going to be a thriller. Sci-fi? I, I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> like, maybe. We want to thank everyone for listening and watching on YouTube. Again, any subscriptions, likes, comments, go to town because we really want to hear from you guys. Thanks again for listening. Cut. That's a wrap. Cut.